This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show. Hell if I know. <laughs> I kid. It took me a while to figure out what was on today's show. Uh, we look back at game one of the NBA Finals between the Bucks and the Suns. NBA Commish Adam Silver uh, met with the media on the first night of the Finals. To give, I guess, his State of the Association address, we'll see what he had to say. Montreal tries to stay alive again tonight in the Stanley Cup Final. We'll check in and see how the Nats, O's, and Bucks uh, did last night on the Major League Diamond. All of that and more coming up in the next two hours of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out on this wonderful Wednesday hump day morning. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. Or at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word C. On Facebook at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All of those pages, as usual, free and open to the public. That would be you. Like the pages, follow the pages. At any time you want to get involved on the show, uh, leave me a message, drop me a line. Questions, comments, opinions are encouraged and welcome. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, Shamon, on this Wednesday. And, of course, uh, do not forget about our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day. Minus the commercials. It's all right there. If you miss any part of the show, if you can't listen live, if you're outside of the listening area, but you want to go back and give it a listen in your car, maybe later on the ride home or taking your kids to practice or whatever, just download that Podbean app to your phone or tablet. And then uh, I guess you uh, you can like the podcast page too, right? Like it, follow it, same deal as the other pages. And then you can listen to any show we put up there at your convenience because, daggone it, it's all about you. I don't do this for my health, that's for sure. I don't know how I'm doing it today, to tell you the truth. I have no clue. I have no clue how I'm standing today. I'm sitting today. It's just another one of those nights where I got almost no sleep. I came close. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm just being honest. I came real close to not being here today. It took me for, you ever have those mornings, maybe you're having one right now, where you just can't get the motor started, right? You just can't get it going. You can't get the brain going. You can't get the body going. I mean, you're up, you're out of bed. You're moving around, barely. And you just, you can't, you can't get functioning. I had so much trouble functioning this morning. I questioned. I, I questioned even coming in today. As I sat there in my living room with like one sock on, 
Like, do I even want to go into that? Do I want to take a personal day and just go back to bed? You know what I mean? I mean, we've all had those days, right? I'm not the only one. And it's okay to talk about it because we all have that. We're, we're human, right? Then even after I got here, I'm sitting here in the palatial, and I'm looking around, and I start trying to put some stuff together for the show, and even then I'm contemplating, do I even want to do this today? Just tired, worn out. You know, something, something's got to give. Yeah, I, I can't I can't keep going at this pace. Not at my age, not now. You know, it, it, it can't be healthy, can it? I cannot continue to like live life on five hours sleep every day. And I think I bet you, I don't know. Uh I wouldn't bet the whole house, but maybe I bet a few uh bedrooms. I got less than three hours sleep. It couldn't I, I no, it could have been more than three. Something's got to give, man. Something's got to give. Something I got to make some adjustments. I got to do something. I can't continue on this pace, or else I'm just going to die. I'm just my body's going to be like, you know what? I quit. That's it. You want to give me the proper rest? You don't want to give me the proper, you know, relaxation. You want to give me the proper refreshing period? Then I'm just my body's just going to give up, and it's just I'm just going to die. That's what that's what I felt like this morning. I just I just felt like, I just, it just felt like everything was just going to fall apart. Anyway, uh, I am here uh, on the air. We are doing a show because I'm pushing through it because I'm a trooper like that. Plus, I might get in trouble if I didn't. So, there you go. Uh, let's. <laughs> I guess that was the determining factor, right? Actually doing the job. Let's rock around the region. We start with Major League Baseball. Actually, uh, all we have is uh, Major League Baseball in uh, today's Rock Around the Region. The Orioles uh, did some yard work against the Blue Jays. And a fly ball cranked to right field. He will get that run in. And one more. A colossus of a home run from Santander. Party on Utah Street. It's 7-1. to one. The call on Mid-Atlantic Sports Net. Five-run fifth inning for the O's as they went on to a 7-5 win at Camden Yards. Uh, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Pedro Severino, all homeward for Baltimore. Uh, Spencer Watkins making his first-ever Major League start. Allowed just one run on three hits in five innings to earn his first big league win. He became the first Orioles starter to win a game Since June 8th, today is July 7th, (laughs) almost a full month had gone by before an Orioles starter got a win. Watkins gets one last night, his very first Major League win. Here he is after the game. I think getting my feet wet in Los Angeles was a huge step for me in a sense of I knew kind of what to expect coming in with the adrenaline and everything. Um... So I think more so today, it was the adrenaline, the excitement of that first start, getting an opportunity to go deep into a game. And, and uh, the nerves were definitely there, but adrenaline, I think, was showing through. It, it feels incredible. And if anything, it, it pushes me to get ready you know, for that next start right away. I mean, I love to soak it in and take it in, but I'm ready to get my feet back on the ground and get to work. Um, having that opportunity to, to be relied on to go out and eat some innings is, is a huge thing. That's something I've prided myself 
uh, on in, in my entire career of being able to eat innings, go deep into ball games, give my team a really good chance to win. Um, so, so to be kind of uh, blessed with that opportunity is is massive for me. So uh, he gets the win, and the Blue Jays also hit three home runs, but they all came after the Orioles had taken a seven-one lead. Of Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit his twenty-eighth homer of the season for Toronto. Elsewhere, the Pirates and Braves were tied 1-1 last night in the ninth inning. Pirates had bases loaded, nobody out, and Brian Reynolds at the plate. The pitch by Matzik. Reynolds takes up high. Reynolds wraps it up with the walk, and the Pirates literally walk off winners. They win three in a row, beating Atlanta 2-1 tonight. Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network. You think he was trying to be funny there when he said Reynolds uh, wraps it up? Reynolds wrap? You think he was? that was on purpose? I don't know. Anyway, the ever-exciting walk-off walk for the Bucks in a 2-1 win at PNC Park. Uh, Reynolds also had an RBI sack fly in a third. So he and Pittsburgh uh, scored both runs without getting a hit. Key Brian Hayes had a pair of doubles. Adam Frazier and Wilmore Defoe also had two hits uh, for the Bucks, who have won three straight after a six-game losing streak. Ka- uh, Chad Cool pretty good last night. One run on four hits in six innings. Struck out seven, walked none. Since the start of the pandemic-shortened season last year, Cool has a 2.53 ERA. In 11 games at home, that's uh, 10 starts, 11 appearances, 2.53 at PNC. Uh, problem is, he has a 6.90 ERA uh, on the road. Speaking on the road, out west last night, Will Myers hit a three-run homer and drove in a total of five runs as the Padres beat the Nationals 7-4. Manny Machado celebrated his 29th birthday with three hits and three runs uh, scored for San Diego. Jan Gomes had three hits, and Josh Harrison hit a three-run homer for Washington. Uh, Eric Fetty allowed six runs on eight hits in just four and a third innings to get the loss. He is now four and five on the year. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. Uh, Programming note reminder, or if you hadn't heard it before, I'm telling you for the first time, we have a special uh, baseball uh, Brock has for you tonight. I couldn't think of the word. I wanted to say baseball program, but that's not quite right. Uh, no Nationals game tonight. Why? I mean, they're playing. It just won't be on the station. We are bringing you some Penmar West Virginia League baseball on this very station tonight. Jim Zapp and James Lohr will have the call from the fairgrounds, Allegheny County Fairgrounds. Although the one the one thing said the Cumberland Fairgrounds, I assume that's the same thing. Like there can't be more than one fairgrounds in the area, right? I assume that's down at the uh, the hot stove complex. Anyway, the uh, Wheelhouse Arsenal taking on the Cumberland Orioles. We will have that game for you very uh, as far as I know since I've been here, which has been I've been here for what eighty four years. Slight exaggeration. In some days it feels like it. But we, I'm, we've never had a Penmar game uh, on here, ever. So, uh, dipping our toes into new waters, if you will. So, tune in for that. Some Penmar action. Tonight, uh, first pitch at 
uh, airtime at 7.15. Again, uh, Jim and James with the call. The Arsenal, Wheelhouse Arsenal, and the Cumberland Orioles. Check it out tonight. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's just jump right into the NBA Finals, shall we? Game one, last night in Phoenix, Suns hosting the Bucks. Biggest question going in, and we talked about it in length yesterday, surrounding the health of Giannis, right? And when we preview the game yesterday morning, he was listed as doubtful. Then, later in the day, he was upgraded to questionable. And then, just minutes before the game, he was clear to play. Giannis, one week ago, hyper-extended left knee, getting the start here to open the finals. I, I can't believe Giannis is out here. It is remarkable. We, we were at the game. His leg looked like a wishbone. He's called the Greek freak, I guess, for a reason, because <laughs> his body's freakish. Because yes. I am stunned that this guy's out here, and he looks this good. That was a call on ESPN Radio after all the speculation, all the will he play, won't he play, uh, Giannis played. That was the good news for the Bucs. The bad news is that Chris Paul played for the Suns. Paul at the top against Lopez. Crosses right, goes to the left, steady, shoots from 16, and all net for CP3. That's his signature shot, and anytime it's a switch, again, he's dancing with the ball, just trying to get Brooke on his heels, and then he pulls the trigger. CP3 looking good early on early as he helped the Suns take a 30-26 lead after the first quarter. And when he wasn't putting the ball in the hole, he was helping his teammates do it. Paul on the right side against Tucker. Stops, cuts to the left, free throw line, into the lane. Floats it for Aiden and jams it home. That Chris Paul now attacking Lopez not to score it. He knew Aiden a vertical threat against a smaller defender. Aiton had uh, a monster game. We'll talk about that here in just a bit. Milwaukee still able to stay within striking distance. Uh, trailed by just eight at the half, uh, 57 to 49. But there's that man again, CP3, Chris Paul, taking things over in the third quarter. Paul, between the circles, will work to his left against Portis. Now behind the back dribbles. Now blows by Portis. Layup good. Chris Paul completely in control. They're just attacking Bobby Portis. He is a liability on the defensive end, and they know it. CP3 scored 16 of his 32 points in the third quarter, including one stretch where he scored eight straight points for Phoenix. As the Suns opened up a 92-76 lead, they go on to win game one, 118 to 105. Paul, 32 points, nine assists in the first NBA Finals game of his 16 year career. He became just the second player ever to record at least 30 points and nine assists in a Finals debut. The other player to do it, you may have heard of him, uh, Michael Jordan. After the game, CP3 hooked up with SVP. You've been through so much in this game. There's nothing that's new to you. And yet this was, right? This is the first finals game. And I wonder what, if anything about it, felt different than anything you have experienced to date in your illustrious career. Um, another game, obviously. Uh, the state's a little higher. Intensity was there. But we, you know, we're prepared. You know, our coaches prepared us. All of our guys on our team, we didn't put in the work. So... Now it's time to get to it. 
and you did get to it. And uh, the, just your ability to find the matchup you wanted and, and exploit it, was that, was that what you came into this game sort of eyeballing? This is what we want to try to do. Well, you take what they give you. You know, when they play big, they switched early, then they sort of went into a sort of a drop. Um, then they went small. We saw them switching everything against the Hawks. So, I mean, we just seen every coverage you could see all season long, and uh, our team just has so, so much depth. You know, so if you try to take one thing away, we'll just find the next guy. In Booker, Aiton, Bridges, and I'm talking just about the young guys for the moment just because this is, this is their first run through the postseason, Chris. You've been through it so often. How, I don't know if proud is the right word, but I mean, how, how do you best describe what you're, what you're getting from these young guys and how you feel about what you're getting? I kind of talk crazy to them sometimes because they're going to think it's sweet. <laughs> they first time getting in the playoffs and they didn't got all the way to the finals. Right. Uh, but I think it's just a credit to them, uh, especially Book. He's the one who's been here the longest, been through some tough seasons here in Arizona and uh, Phoenix. So uh, it's nice, man. It's a, it's a great group to be around and we just want to keep having fun. And I keep going back to, to, to you knowing what it is, because you do. And it, you, there are still three to get, and no one's throwing a parade after tonight. But how are you best able to stay present, Chris, in these moments, recognizing what the stakes are with each, with each victory, how, how much closer the, the, the ultimate prize becomes? With me, it may be the experience, you know, the, the heartbreak, the tough losses, and understanding that it's not over till it's over. You know, it's just one game. You know, we're here at home. We're supposed to win at home. Game two is the biggest game of the season right now. So with me, it's just about staying the course and making sure my guys stay locked in. And talking about his guys, they mentioned uh, Booker and Aiton, the youngsters. Uh, Devin Booker, 27 points last night. DeAndre Aiton continuing his breakout postseason Double-double, 22 points, 19 rebounds. And you heard CP3 talk about we're at home. We're supposed to win at home. That crowd was absolutely nuts. It was the first NBA Finals game in Phoenix since Jordan and the Bulls won their third straight NBA title in Game 6 of the 1993 Finals. To put a cap on last night's game, the folks who called it on ESPN Radio, Mark Kessischer, John Barry, and Dorsberg. Great start uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Better record than Milwaukee during the regular year. They got home court. May not have mattered tonight the way uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, JB, played here in the opener. Well, I'll start with Chris Paul. Zero points in the first quarter. He took two shots. And he's a, he's a true point guard uh, because he just lets the game dictate itself. Does he have to get more aggressive? Yeah, he needed to in the second and third quarter. First quarter, no, didn't have to. Let's get Booker going. Let's get Aiton going. Mikel Bridges, whoever it might be. But whatever the game is called for, he, he delivers whatever it is. And he completely dominated the Milwaukee Bucks in high screen and roll. And they continue to switch after switch after switch on high screen and roll. And whether it be Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, or whoever else it was, he did whatever he wanted to do. He got a quality shot, or he created one for his teammates, and they dominated. So for the Milwaukee Bucks, you guys just touched on uh, Chris Paul, and there was a big three on the other side. 32 for Paul, 27 for D-Book, and 22 and 19 still by the official stat for DeAndre Ayton. Drew Holiday was one assist and three rebounds shy of a triple-double, and yet I didn't feel his impact 
as much as I think we needed to. He went four for 14 from the floor. Obviously, the pressure he was trying to apply on the defensive end uh, did not affect Chris Ball. Uh, but this, this goes back to what JB talked about, the box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get from the Milwaukee Bucks. They better figure out how they're going to guard that pick-and-roll action with Chris Ball. You went with your small lineup, which was better for stretches, but then you start to attack Bryn Forbes. Uh, you, you're obviously on the drawing board. You missed some chances. And think about what you finished in the paint if you were Milwaukee. 21 for 41, your conversion rate. You missed some chances to punish them with your size. Yeah. And JB, with Giannis coming back, which was a little bit of a surprise, he did play 35 minutes, 20 points, 17 rebounds. We'll see how he is after one day arrest leading to game two. But how does that affect Milwaukee, good or bad, moving into game two? Yeah, well, I don't think he had the same juice. And, and I don't think it was a hindrance of the knee. I think it was more of a, a fatigue factor, a rhythm factor. Uh, so I think that's all positive signs. He will be better. Uh, I don't think he was near as aggressive as we see him as the normal Giannis. Uh, and as this series goes on, we're going to see that. So great sign tonight he played. I, again, I can't believe that he was out here. So my apologies to Mike Golick and Shanae <laughs> that I said there's no chance he's playing tonight. I was totally wrong, I will admit it. Uh, but it was a great sign for Milwaukee. And I think we're just in store for a hell of a series. It's going to be great. This is now three straight series that Milwaukee's behind the eight ball. Remember, they lost in uh, game one to the Brooklyn Nets, lost game one to the Atlanta Hawks, and now the Phoenix Suns with a one-game-to-none lead. And Chris Paul, by the way, joins Michael Jordan, 1991. Only players, 30 points, nine assists in a finals debut. He goes for 32-9 and nine as the Suns take the opener by a final score of 118-105 over Milwaukee. I already told him that, Mark. I already told him that stat. Come on, man, try to keep up. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. So we talk a lot about the Suns. Good game for them. Good win for them. Always getting that first game in any series, especially the finals, is always important. But it's still going to be a long series. CP3, great game. Aiton, double-double. But we haven't talked about Giannis yet. And the impact he had at last night's game. If any at all. We'll get to that next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230. WCMD. This is the morning rush. We can talk about whatever you want. I might just spend the next hour and a half complaining. Why not? I feel like it. That's what I feel like today. You're just wake up angry because you know you're just tired. Just woke up angry. Just mad. Just trudging through the you know, first. I guess now three hours of my day. <laughs> I guess uh, would have been a good day to, to wear my, you know, steer clear uh, T-shirt because that's it's good advice for anybody today. If you see me, you may just want to steer clear. So as I usually do uh, during the break, I peruse the interwebs. I Check Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, mostly Twitter, to see, you know, any breaking headlines. Not that there'll be many breaking headlines at 6.33 in the morning, but whatever. And I just come across this random video. Terrifying is what it is. And I checked the date. This was from about four years ago. But still, I've never seen this one before. 
It's a video of a shark breaking into an anti-shark cage with the diver still inside. Just awful. To, it looks like a great white. It, I don't know. I don't know uh, my sharks well. I, I, mean, I like sharks. I watch Shark Week like most people do. It looks like a great white. And you see this thing swim up to the boat. There's a couple cages in the water, actually. And, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're, uh, they got the big chunk of meat on a hook to track the sharks in. And he swims in and takes the bait and goes right for the tank and disappears into the tank. And then, and this is what the, the terrifying part was. You see the water start to turn red. <laughs> and my first thought was, oh, no. He broke into that tank, and he just ate the diver. And then, even more, uh, I shouldn't say more incredible, they, they, they open up the top of the tank, right? They open up the big, the big lid, and the shark comes popping out of the top of the tank. The good news is the blood was from the shark because when he gets into that tank, he starts thrashing around, right? So he basically injured himself because when he pops out of the tank, he's bleeding. And then he jumps out of the tank and takes off wherever he goes back to his shark home, probably to tell his boys about what just happened. Like, you're never going to believe this. I just broke into an anti-shark cage. What you know about that? And then a couple minutes later, the diver comes out unscathed. Can you believe that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being that diver <laughs> in the anti-shark cage and the shark breaks in? Thank you, but no thank you. Hey, look, I'm not afraid of the water. I go to the water every year. I love the ocean. I do, I do not concern myself with shark attacks or anything like that. All right, It's just the odds are in my favor. I know some people who won't go in the water, right? They will not. They will not go. They will. They will go right up to the water. They will go about ankle deep, and they won't go any further. And I look. Like, I get it. You have a fear of sharks. All right, it's fine. But when I see that, you know, it makes me question. <laughs> it makes me question things just a bit. Anyway, uh, back to the NBA. Uh, Suns took Game One of the Finals last night, uh, one eighteen to one hundred five. Chris Paul went off. 32 points, uh, nine assists for the Suns. That wasn't much of a surprise, all right? Uh, what was a surprise is that Giannis actually took the court for the Bucs. And we talked about this before. He missed the last two games of the East Finals with a knee injury, listed as doubtful, and then he was questionable, and then he was clear to play just minutes before the start of the game. And he had a decent game by his standards, 20 points. 17 rebounds in 35 minutes. After the game, uh, his head coach, uh, Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, you know, I thought there were a lot of good things. I mean, I think, you know, considering, you know, five days and, you know, what he's been through these these last five, six, seven days, you know, I think, you know, 17 rebounds, 20 points, um, you know, some great playmaking, passing, um, you know, defending the rim. Um, you know, he's just like everybody else. I'm sure we'll find some things where he could be better and, um you know, he's, I think, you know, usually it takes him playing. He's a rhythm guy. Um, so, you know, I'm excited about, you know, how he'll improve from game one to game two. You know, we'll see how he feels. Um, but, 
I think play wise, um, you know, he always gets better when he when he plays. Uh, Chris Middleton, another solid game for the Bucks. Twenty nine points, seven boards, four assists. Drew Holiday did not have a great night. He scored just ten points on four of fourteen shooting. Despite the loss, uh, ESPN analyst PJ Carlissimo says the Bucks should be encouraged after Game One. If I'm Milwaukee, honestly, I'm encouraged. Game one in the finals is always a feeling out game. You have two teams that don't know each other quite as well. First three rounds of the playoff, you're playing somebody from your own conference. You, in a normal year, you played them four times. This year, they played each other three times. But over the years, you've played this team a ton of times. You know them very well. These two teams don't know each other very well. And that's what the first game is often about. So now it's going to be to the adjustments what's going to happen. Uh, the Bucks cannot shoot the ball the way they did in the paint. They had so many opportunities in the paint. They couldn't finish. They didn't get second-chance points, which they're about, about the best in the whole league in doing it. And Drew Holiday had, mm-hmm. by his standards, a nightmare game. He's going to play a lot better going forward. So P.J. is saying Milwaukee didn't have a great game offensively. They missed some shots, particularly inside. And they should get better offensively. As the series goes on, Tim Legler says Milwaukee needs to make adjustments for game two and beyond, but those adjustments need to be on the defensive end. What they need to do is put Drew Holiday and Chris Paul and say, you got to be a dog on him. Hunt him. At 30 feet, go under the screen. You don't have to go over. Inside the three-point line, fight over the top, get a hard hedge from the big, and I want Drew Holiday on Chris Paul's hip as much as he possibly can unless he's in foul trouble. Booker's going to get his numbers. So use other guys on him. Connaughton, P.J. Tucker, Middleton can get him some. Brent Forbes, go ahead. Chris Paul is the key to this series, and Drew Holiday needs to lock in on him as much as possible. You think of a quarterback like a vet. Say, just say Tom Brady because there's no, nobody older than him, right? You're trying to disguise a blitz or something. He's going to look at He's going to know exactly what's coming. I, I can't think of a worse go- point guard to, to leave in a situation where he could hunt the matchup he wants when you're going to switch than Chris Paul. Like I, You could have shown time and time again where he just chose who he wanted to guard him. Yeah, you can't let that happen. Can and it's you? not. And tonight it was more as a scorer because that's what was there for him. But there's other plays in this game I could have shown you where he ends up getting like a hockey assist. But again, it leads to the Bucks chasing the ball around like Keystone Cops because they got the matchup they wanted. They broke somebody down off the dribble. They're in the paint, and now the Bucks are reacting to that. I just didn't see anything Milwaukee did tonight that said to the Suns, "We are going to dictate to you what we want you to do offensively." Everything they did was set up to react. Can't do it. Chris Paul, Devin Booker are too good of ball screen players. DeAndre Ayton is too good and too skilled and too talented on the slips and the dives when he gets a smaller defender switching on to him. You've got to let these guys play him a little bit more straight up. At least let them fight over some screens. You obviously are going to need help on some screens, but to premeditate switches, like the first example I showed when no screen is set and you had P.J. Tucker on Chris Paul for a reason, no screen is set, and now let him go run with Aiton and let Giannis jump out on the guard. And eventually now the Suns are just going, okay, we practiced this drill. Let's go to the corner, run some high-low, get DeAndre Aiton a layup. It was so clockwork. Give Monty Williams all the credit in the world. They've watched a lot of film on this team. They anticipated the switches, and they hammered them every time they did. But I do think it was easy pickings for the Suns. This was not you know, rocket science out there for them, for a guy like Chris Paul to figure this out. Get what you want by calling out who you want to set the screen. There's got to be a massive adjustment on the part of Mike Budenholzer. And if there isn't, 
they can't beat this team. So there you go. Leg saying, uh, you gotta, you gotta defend the screen better. You gotta defend it better. If you don't, you got problems. So uh, PJ was like, hey, you know, Milwaukee had a tough night offensively. They'll get better offensively, and probably so. But if you can't stop anybody, it doesn't matter, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> can't stop anybody, it doesn't matter. Got to play defense. We were just telling our guys that last night. We had some summer league games last night. Got to play defense. Doesn't matter if you score 30, if you give up 31. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's simple math. All right? You could have the best offensive game imaginable, but you can't stop anybody. It does not matter. And that's just not basketball. It's really any sport. All right? We love our offense, right? Don't we? We love our offense. We love the high scoring game. Right? We love the home run in baseball. We love uh, the, the 45, 40 games in football. Right? We love the up-and-court action of, of basketball. We love the five, four games in hockey. We love to see offense. But, man, you got to get dirty on defense. You have to. You still got to play defense. Bobby Huggins. I remember when Bob Huggins said this. And, again, we just talked about this with a couple players last night. Bob Huggins said nobody – this is, this is a lesson for all you youngsters out there. And if you're a coach, feel free to share, because I stole it from Bob Huggins. Uh, he says, nobody takes defense personally. And what he meant by that was he said, you know, you watch a game, high school, college, whatever, and you see a player miss a shot, they get angry, right? You see a player miss a shot, they'll, you know, ah, they'll smack their hands, and ah, I can't believe I missed that shot. You'll see a player get angry when they miss a shot. But you'll you rarely see a player get angry when the guy they're guarding scores. Right, and he's hundred percent right. You get angry, you miss a shot, but you don't get angry when the guy you're guarding scores on you. Nobody takes that personally. You got to take defense personally. You got to have pride. You got to have pride in your defense and say that guy that I'm guarding, he's not going to score. Now you're not going to shut him down all the time. Your guy's going to score eventually. But then the mindset has to be, all right, you got me this time. Next time down the floor, you're not getting me again. No, players just don't take defense personally. Got to play defense. Got to have that pride on that end of the floor to not let your guy score. Anyway, I don't know. I just I went off on a tangent there. Let's bring it back here. Point being, Milwaukee's got to play better defense. If they Like Legler said, and I agree, if they want any chance, of, of winning this. And it's only one game, but game two is tomorrow night in Phoenix. Bucks just got to win one in Phoenix to take over home court advantage. All right? Don't have to win both. They drop game one. They win tomorrow. They have home court going back to Milwaukee. So we'll see. So it's, it's one game, but you got to play better defense. All right. Uh, one more break, and then we'll come back to wrap up our number one. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, uh, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. And we were talking about how, you know, important defense is. And defense is oftentimes overlooked. Because we just, you know, as fans or whatever, we just we love offense. And I'll never forget this. Uh, legendary high school coach Morgan Wooten, okay? He wrote a book 
called uh, Coaching Basketball Successfully. And there's been several editions. At one point, I know his son Joe got involved with the book. One of the very few books that I've ever read cover to cover more than once. Not that I've read many books cover to cover. I'm not a very uh, a patient guy to sit there. I, I can't sit and read. Like A lot of people are going to sit and read forever. I can't do that. My attention span isn't there. But anyway, uh, that particular book I read uh, cover to cover more than once. And it's kind of, I've, I've always called it my basketball Bible. That is where I, I get a lot of my coaching stuff from. And one thing that Morgan Wooten said is they say, if you can't play defense, you can't play for me. And that's something that always stuck with me and something that I used back when I was a head coach. You can't play defense. You can't play for me. I have no use for you if you can't play defense. And again, it goes back to, hey, you can score 40 points, but if your guy scores 41, then what did you do? How did you help us? you got to be able to play defense. And I, I, I think, and I don't know how much, obviously we stress defense in all sports. you got to have the ability to stop somebody at some point in time. But I, I thought that was a very strong message. And he told his players off the bat, you can't play defense, you can't play for me. Don't care how good you are offensively, don't care what else you, you bring to the table, you better play defense or else you're just not going to see the floor. I loved it. That's, again, that's stuck with me ever since. Anyway, uh, real quick before we go to break and uh, end of the hour, you see this, it's, what, it's an MMA gym in Florida. You see what they're doing? You know, Since those uh, name, image, and likeness laws passed last week, now college players, college athletes can, can make money, right? Endorsement deals and whatnot. This gym in uh, American Top Team in Florida is giving a lot of a ton of money to the Miami of Florida football team. Dan Lambert owns this gym, American Top Team. He's a longtime uh, Miami Hurricane football fan. He has offered each scholarship player on the Miami football team a monthly payment of five hundred bucks just to advertise his gyms on social media. Okay? There's 90 scholarship players at Miami, and he's offering each one a monthly payment of 500 bucks. I don't know if it's multiple months. This deal could go as high as 540000 bucks that this guy is going to pay out to Miami football players simply to advertise his gyms on the socials. It's the largest reported sum for a college sports endorsement deal since these new laws kicked in uh, last week. And Lambert said, he was interviewed by ESPN, he said he wants to help the kids. He wants to reward them for what they do, and he wants a better product on the field. Again, he's a big fan of Miami football. And he says, you know, there are improper ways of fans supporting their players. Now there is a legal way to do it. And if there's a legal way, and you can dot the I's and cross the T's, I'm going to do it. That's a quote. So here we and we talked about Miami quarterback Derrick King. He was the first one last week, like the very first day the laws went into effect. 
He was the first college athlete to strike an endorsement deal. I think it was 20000 bucks for a moving company. That, yeah, that's what it was. So now, here we are back in with the Miami football team. This guy, Lambert, American top team MMA gyms, is going to pay a college kid 500 bucks simply to act. I mean, that's – now you don't think that, – that's a lot of money for a college kid. 500 bucks a month? 500 bucks a month just to advertise his gyms on the socials. I don't know who you are right now listening. I don't know where you work. Ask yourself, do you make 500 bucks a month? Clear? I know a lot of people who don't. Again, we can get into the discussion on whether this is a good thing for college sports or a bad thing or whatever. But we're going to start seeing more and more of this. We're going to see a lot more fans who got the cash, the cash, stepping up and kicking out some serious dough for these players. And the more and more this kind of stuff is out there, then more and more, how many college athletes, how many, you know, prospects, how many recruits are now looking at Miami going, hmm, maybe I should go there. Anyway, we'll talk about this more in the next hour. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. I got to backtrack one thing real quick. I got to reel it back in. I got to backpedal just a bit. Uh, We're talking uh, last segment of last hour about the MMA gym in Florida. Paying a Miami of Florida football players five hundred bucks a month to advertise his gyms on social media, and I was just like, you know, for a college kid, that's a lot of money. Think about it, you know, where you work. How many of us make five hundred bucks a month? That's really not that much when I think about it. I was, I was, for some reason. I said 500 bucks a month. I was thinking like 500 a week or bi-weekly. Still, for a college kid, that's a lot of money. But not a lot of money to make a living off of. So I got to backtrack on that just a bit. I got carried away. Not very good on the math skills. So whenever you, and look, it's a monthly thing. It's 500 bucks a month for the year. So that's 6,000 bucks. All right, that's six thousand bucks for every scholarship player at Miami, Florida, football player. There's ninety of them. All right, so five hundred bucks a month times twelve. That's six thousand per player. Six thousand times ninety. That's five hundred and forty thousand bucks. This this dude is willing to kick out half a mil just to get these Miami, Florida players to advertise his gyms on. Social media. This is what people wanted. This is what we're getting. Right? This is... You wanted, you know, the poor, exploited college athlete. You wanted to find a way for him to make money. Here we go. Here we go. My question is, if you're a walk-on on Miami, Florida, you're a little bit cheesed off right now. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Because <laughs> it's only going to scholarship players. Right? If you walk on, you get nothing. Maybe, maybe your teammates give you a little kickback, a little something, something. 
but you got to be a scholarship player. And really, that's not a whole lot of work. I, I don't know what these advertisements consist of, but think about it. If you got a decent following on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, whatever the kids are doing these days, all you got to do is pump out a couple adverts on Twitter for these, I guess it's a, it's a chain of mixed martial arts gyms, American top team. All you got to do is kick out a couple of advertisements on social media, and this guy's going to pay you 500 bucks for the month? Just do that? Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Seriously. That is, that's easy money. That's easy money. And it's only going to get worse. It's only, well, depending on how you look at it, better or worse, I don't know. This is just the start. And I was, as I was saying before he went into uh, last break, the more and more of these stories come out, then more and more you're going to start seeing college recruits look at these schools and go, oh, wait a minute. You know, if I got my schools narrowed down to five or six and one of those schools is in Miami of Florida, and I'm looking at this story and going, oh, I can go there and make 500 bucks a month just for advertising these gyms? Uh, schools are going to use this for recruiting purposes. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. Now we have money involved in the recruitment of college players. You want to make money, come to our school. Come play for us. Yeah, you can make money over here, but you can make more money with us. This is what we asked for. This is what we're getting. I saw a story not too long ago where Arch Manning, uh, son of Cooper, nephew of Peyton and Eli, the number one recruit for the class of 2023, five-star quarterback, not sure where he's going yet, okay? Uh, According to this story I read, early leader, the early leader in the clubhouse is Clemson. But that could change a million times over. And I can't remember where the story came from, uh, where I saw it. So you have to excuse me as far as the source. But they're talking about Arch Manning making, okay, millions. All right? Millions. Not 500 bucks a month like these Miami football players. A million. In college, in college, through endorsements and taking advantage of the name, image, and likeness loss, a, a mill, if not more. I, I saw, I saw another story. It said up to like ten million. Like Arch Manning, a kid who's still in high school, a kid who's not graduating until two years down the road. That by the time he gets to college, with all of these new laws, he could make. And this is maybe a slight exaggeration. Ten million. Ten million. Playing in college. And again, we can have a discussion whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because there's going to be a lot of teammates on whoever college he goes to who aren't going to be making ten million. Now, again, that might be just. That might be an overreach a bit. I, I can't see a college kid making $10 bucks in endorsement deals, but you never know. 
You never know. You go to the right school with the right fan base, with enough money. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? There will, there will be guys, if, if that happens, let's just say it's, I don't know, $5 million. Like, There will be guys in the NFL not making as much money as, some, as, as a kid in college. It's going to turn things upside down. It's, it's going to turn things inside out, the college game. I'm telling you. And I heard some of it the other day. I think it was Greeny. Uh, who was on with Greenberg? It was, I think it was P.J. Carlissima. They were talking about it. It was one day last week. And Greeny said, you know, with the name, image, and likeness laws and all that, that the good far outweighs the bad. I'm not so sure about that. Not, I'm not sure about that. Yes, it gives these athletes a chance to make money off of themselves. If they can find the endorsement deals, okay. But I'm telling it's going to create such an imbalance between the rich schools and the not-so-rich schools, the big schools and the not-so-big schools. It's going to create such an imbalance in the locker room itself. I mean, how would you like to be, and I'm just throwing this out here, wherever Arch Manning goes, let's just say he goes eventually goes to Clemson. How would you like to be, you know, a backup guard sitting across the locker room and your quarterback is, is guys making millions of bucks to play college ball and, and you're still sitting there, you know, eating ramen five days a week? Seriously. That's going to cause resentment. That's going to cause issues. It's going to cause issues. And another question that I have, I know I'm doing this hour backwards. That's all right. If you, it's one thing to be a rookie. Okay, we just, who did we talk about yesterday? It was, um, well, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence signed his rookie deal yesterday with the Jaguars. It's like 30, almost 37 million. Okay. 24 million guaranteed. It's one thing to be a 22, 23-year-old college graduate or, look, a lot of them aren't graduates anymore, but you know what I mean, older. It's one thing to be 21, 22, 23 with millions in your pocket. It's another thing to be an 18-year-old kid, a freshman in college. And for a lot of these kids, seeing a whole lot of money for the very first time in their lives, how's that going to affect them? How's that going to change their lives? What kind of advice are they going to get? What kind of help are they going to get? Right? Or are these schools going to provide financial advisors as well to deal with an influx of money they may they may have never seen in their entire lives? And what about the work ethic? What about the work ethic? When you, you kids go to college, if they are NFL prospects, they're going to bust their butt. They're going to put the hammer down to do as best they can to get to the NFL, to get to that next level, right? Because that's that's the ultimate goal. To get to the NFL, to get that Trevor Lawrence contract, $38 million rookie deal, right? But if you're already making hundreds of thousands in college, or in a case like Arch Manning, if you have the potential to make millions in college, then where what happens to your drive? What happens to your work ethic? What happens? I'm 
gonna be honest. If I'm an 18 year old kid, I'm a freshman in college, and somebody approaches me and wants to give me a bunch of money just to advertise their business, am I gonna work as hard as I would have before? I don't know. We we've seen it at the pro level. We've seen it. We've seen guys sign big contracts and then fall off the face of the earth. Or we've seen them have one phenomenal year in a contract year, get that big contract, and then flame out. After they got the big deal, they were done. They don't work as hard because they've they've cashed a check. You don't think that's going to happen with college players? They start cashing checks in college? Are they going to work as hard to try to get the end? I don't know. I'm not sold on the good outweighs the bad in this scenario. I'm just not. And we're just getting we're just getting started. We're just getting started with all these players. It's 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 going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. It's going to change the face of college athletics forever. And I'm not necessarily sure it's for the good. All right, I said we did the hour backwards. Usually we start with the rock around the region. So <laughs> I went topic first, and now I got to back it up a bit and let you know that there are several ways to get involved on the show. Sometimes you got to change it up. Sometimes you got to go up the flow. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. On Facebook, at WCMD Cumberland Radio, all of those uh, pages free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, uh, drop me a line, send me a message, whenever you want. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, shum on. 301-759-2628. What do you think about the name, image, and likeness laws? What do you think about these college players all of a sudden being able to cash checks, endorsement checks. Call it with that. How about that? That's like boom, right off the bat. Call her, hold on. You know what? Let's do that now. Let's just let's not leave them waiting. Let's go right to the uh rush line 301 759 2628. You're up. Who's yes, this? Sir. Yeah, I was just wanted to comment on his uh what he just said about their college. Yeah, go ahead. Madonna, so to speak. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you, man. That's I think that's going to be ruination. That's that's why I love college football so much, college basketball, because you got the kids out there giving 110 percent, man, just trying to make it. And I I just think it's going to affect it. Yeah, I think you're going to have some kids take some time off. They're not going to work as hard because they're making money. It's, it's definitely it's right. going to take the amateurism out of the game for sure. Yep, I agree with you, bro. All right, man. Thank you for the call. Thanks, man. Yep, take care. 301 I didn't catch his name. That's my fault. I didn't catch a guy's name. That's my bad. But he he doesn't like it. And look, he's not the only one. A lot of people, uh, I just worry about the effects it's going to have on the sport. Any sport. I, I'm, I'm sticking with football here, but I'm, basketball is going to be in the same boat. It's going to be in the same boat. Because those are the two big money generators at the college level is football and it's basketball. So those are definitely going to be the two sports affected the most. And yeah, amateurism is dead. And, that's, and people hate the NCAA, and the NCAA is 
it's an institution that's had problems for years. The NCAA is, they have really done everything they could do to kind of step on the necks of, of college athletes. And sometimes they did it in ways that just made them look so bad, so terrible, because some of the NCAA rules were just awful. And they were just old and outdated, and they should have been changed years and years and years ago. But the intent was to keep the amateurism in college athletics. And it just it got so big, they, they couldn't do it anymore. right? The NCAA tried to keep that dam up there. They tried to dam the river as long as they could. But the dam is busted now. Floodgates are open, and there's nothing they can do about it. The day of the amateur athlete in college sports, it's it's done. It's done. And the again, the effects that that's going to have on these college sports, it's going to be felt for years and years and years. You might as, you might as well just start calling, again, especially on the football and the basketball level, you might as well just start calling them uh, minor leagues. It's the minor leagues. Is it? College football is going to be the minor league for the NFL, and college basketball is going to be the minor league for the NBA because they're going to be making money. They're going to be semi-pro, pro ballers. Anyway, uh, thanks for the call. Again, I didn't get his name. That's my fault. Uh, he doesn't like the whole deal with kids making money in college. What do you think? 301-759-2628. And, of course, uh, don't forget about our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day, uh, minus commercials. If you missed any of today's show to this point, you can go back and check it out uh, whenever you want. All right, again, since we've done this hour completely backwards, (laughs) it's all right. It's okay. Usually we rock around the region to start the hour. Now we're going to do it like right here and now because I didn't do it earlier. I want to rock right now. See? It's anytime. It's my show. I can change up if I want to. Start Major League Baseball, <laughs> where the Orioles uh, did some yard work against the Blue Jays. And a fly ball cranked to right field. He will get that run in. And one more. A colossus of a home run from Santander. Party on Utah Street. It's 7-1. to one. The call on Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet, five-run fifth inning for the O's as they went on to a 7-5 win at Camden Yards. Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Pedro Severino homeward for Baltimore. Spencer Watkins making his first-ever Major League start allowed just one run on three hits in five innings to earn his first big league win. He became the first Orioles starter to win a game Since June 8th, today is July 7th, so they they almost went a full month without getting a win from a starter until last night. Uh, Spencer Watkins, here he is after the game. I think getting my feet wet in Los Angeles was a huge step for me in a sense of I knew kind of what to expect coming in with the adrenaline and everything. Um, So I think more so today, it was the adrenaline, the excitement of that first start, getting an opportunity to go deep into a game and and um, the nerves were definitely there, but adrenaline, I think, was showing through. It, it feels incredible. And if anything, it, it pushes me to get ready, you know, for that next start right away. I mean, I love to soak it in and take it in, but I'm ready to get my feet back on the ground and get to work. Um, having that opportunity to, to be relied on to go out and eat some innings is, is a huge thing. That's something I've prided myself 
uh, on in, in my entire career of being able to eat innings, go deep into ball games, give my team a really good chance to win. Um, so, so to be kind of uh, blessed with that opportunity is, is massive for me. Now, you mentioned uh, getting his feet wet. He did uh, have a relief appearance. I think it was against the Dodgers. But last night was his first big league start. And he gets his first big league win. Uh, the Blue Jays also hit three home runs, but that was after the O's took a 7-1 lead. Vlad Guerrero Jr., his 28th homer of the season uh, for Toronto. Elsewhere, the Pirates and Braves were tied 1-1 in the ninth inning. The Pirates had bases loaded, nobody out, and Brian Reynolds at the plate. The pitch by Matzik. Reynolds takes up high. Reynolds wraps it up with the walk. And the Pirates literally walk off winners. They win three in a row, beating Atlanta 2-1 to tonight. Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network. You think he meant to do that? Reynolds wraps it up. Reynolds wrap. You think that was on purpose? I don't know. Oh, that funny Joe block. The ever-exciting walk-off walk for the Bucks in a 2-1 win at PNC Park. Uh, Pirates actually drew three walks in that inning. There was a walk, then a single then a walk to load him up, and then a walk to win it. Uh, Reynolds also had an RBI sack fly in a third, so uh, he drove in both runs without getting a hit. Key Brian Hayes had a pair of doubles. Adam Frazier and Wilmore Defoe had two hits each for the Bucks, who have won three straight after uh, a six-game losing streak. Chad Cool pretty good last night. One run, four hits, and six innings, seven strikeouts, no walks. Since the start of last season, the pandemic-shortened season, Cool has a 2.53 ERA at home in 10 starts. Problem is, his road ERA is a 6.90. And out west, uh, Will Myers had a three-run homer and drove in a total of five runs as the Padres beat the Nationals 7-4. Manny Machado on his 29th birthday. Three hits and three runs scored for San Diego. Uh, Jan Gomes had three hits. Josh Harrison, a three-run homer for Washington. Eric Fetty allowed six runs on eight hits in just four and a third innings uh, to get the loss. He is now four and five on the year. And that is your rock around the region uh, very late in the hour. And that's okay. Brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. A reminder tonight, uh, a first here on this station. It may be a first here on any of our stations, to tell you the truth. We got Penmar West Virginia Baseball League action. Is that what it is officially? The Penmar West Virginia League? Uh, tonight, 7 30. The Cumberland Orioles taking on the Wheelhouse Arsenal from the fairgrounds. Uh, Jim Zapp, James Lore will have the call. Uh, first pitch, 7 30. Airtime, about 7 15. So, and I think I said this uh, in the first hour. As long as I've been here, We've never had a Penmar game uh, on this station or any station. So dipping our toes in new waters, if you will. So check it out. Something new. Penmar, West Virginia, baseball league action tonight. Cumberland Orioles, wheelhouse arsenal. Uh, first pitch at 730. So there you go. All right. Uh, time for a break. Got news and weather coming up. Rush line is open. Again, how do you feel about the name, image, and likeness laws? Do you think it's good for college athletics or bad? 301-759-2628. Rush line is open. Uh, stick around. More of the Rush on the way. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD.
This is the morning rush. It's the second time that's it's the second time that last uh, that last commercial or spot as we call it in the business. I don't even know what it's for because I'm I'm busy doing other things. But like the last line of that spot, when the lady says "because shed happens," they're talking about I guess like pets shedding, right? It's the second time I've heard that. That last line, because shed, ha- and I, I jump, right? Because it's not, because I'm hearing something else. I know what she's saying, but I hear, but second, I've heard something else. And like I jump to go to push the, uh, uh, what do you call it? See, I'm, I'll tell you, it's going to be a long half hour. The uh, dump button. Like I want to, I want to dump out of that because it sounds like she's saying, I don't know why they do that. Why do they even mess? <laughs> why do they mess around with the line like that? Don't don't blur the line. Anyway. Whatever that product was, buy it in bulk, please. Support our advertisers. Because you know, shit happens. So here's what happened last night. And again, I, I could have spent all two hours of the show just uh, complaining about everything. But that doesn't make for good radio. But I'm going to do it here for a couple minutes because it's very therapeutic for me. I don't know what it does for you. Probably nothing. But I was talking about earlier in the show how just downright tired I am this morning. It's one of those nights where I just didn't sleep at all. It's not that I didn't sleep well. I just didn't sleep much. I didn't sleep long. And if you work crazy hours like I do, if you work goofy hours, you find yourself from time to time just flat out, just flat out lacking sleep. And there's it, a snowball effect that happens, especially when you have a bunch of things going down in a row. And once you lose a certain amount of sleep, you, you're like you're chasing that sleep for the rest of the week. So this is what happens. Yesterday was fine, right? Coming off a three-day weekend, I was refreshed. As, as fre- refreshed as I could possibly be, that is. Go home yesterday, I take my, my daily nap. Felt good. And this is when things start going off the rails a little bit. We started uh, Summer League basketball last night. And usually, the Summer League is at Fort Hill. They host a Summer League. Didn't have one last year because of the pandemic. I, for whatever reason, didn't have one this year. So we were forced to find a summer league somewhere else. And so we got into the summer league up at Northern, at Northern High School. So instead of making the, oh, I don't know, six-minute drive to Fort Hill, we had to make the hour drive to Northern. And you put that on top of the fact that our games last night were at 8 and 9 o'clock, back-to-back, Last two, last two games of the evening. You see where I'm going with this? So we drive to Northern, play the two games. By the time I get back, it's already after 11 o'clock. I still got a shower because there's no AC in that gym. Even up in Northern, it was hot. That gym was, it was, it was sticky. And I'm hungry. So I got a shower, get a quick, it's, it's already after midnight before I get to bed last night. Right? Already after midnight. 
maybe I got three hours sleep. And then, but here's the thing. This morning, my, my schedule this morning is, is an absolute mess. Because I got to get done here, go across the hall, and do what I got to do over there. I got to take a phone call, interview at 9, all right? Then at 9.30, I got to call the vet because we took our cat in yesterday to get fixed. So now I got to call the vet to make sure that she's okay to get picked up. If she is, I got to leave here, go pick up the cat in LaVale, get back home, and then, oh, by the way, we got practice today at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So guess who's getting little to no sleep in his daily nap? This is what I mean when I get aggravated, when it just builds up, when your lack of sleep builds up and there's like no end in sight because then you get busy. That's my schedule. And you know what? It's on me. It's on me. Those are the life choices I've made. If they're going to change, I got to change them. I get it. But every now and then, when I seem a little bit aggravated on the air, I get a little bit upset and angry, it's because usually I am just sleep and oxygen deprived because things just start to build up. And I said in the first hour, and I'm not lying, something's got to change. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. I can't keep up this pace. I'm 50. I'm 50. I can't keep up this pace living on four or five hours sleep. Something's got to give, man. I don't know what it is, but something's got to give. Fair enough? All right. Thank you for indulging me and listening to my complaints. Let's move on. We should have like one show one day We when all we do is just complain. Like anybody can call in and just just unload. Just get it off your chest. Right? Just just have one of those just air it out shows where it's just, whether it's sports related or anything else, just go off. Two hours, just unleash hell for two hours. It's therapeutic whenever you can talk about something and just get it out. Anyway. 301-759-2628. Rush line is open. <laughs> As we move on, Uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver held his annual State of the Association address yesterday. He does it every year. He meets with the media uh, before game one of the NBA Finals. And he, as usual, kind of touches on a bunch of subjects last night about, you know, where the league is going, dealing with the pandemic last year, getting fans back in the stands this year, expansion. Will they ever be allowed to get the Raptors back into Canada? We don't know because the Canadian government, who the hell knows what they're doing, they won't let anything happen. So he talked about a bunch of things. And one of the things he talked about was, again, last year, shortened season in the bubble, NBA title, right? Quick turnaround to this season, 72-game season, getting fans back in. Now we're back to the NBA Finals. Hopefully moving towards a normal NBA season. But he said, overall, given all that stuff, it's, hey, it's been, it's been successful. I mean, certainly at this point, looking back on the last year and a half, the bubble seems to have been very effective. In terms of this season, whether we started at the right time and whether we were right to conclude, you know, by July 22nd, I still maintain that balancing all these various issues, that was still the best outcome out of a variety of 
unpopular decisions that, um, that it was the best way to balance those factors. But it's unclear. And I'm, I'm, I accept the criticism. I, it's part of the, the, the job, you know, whether it comes from players or the media or others. And, you know, we'll see. We'll, we, and, and maybe we'll take a few years to really look back on the season to really understand what we did right and what we did wrong. So he's kind of doing a little bit of evaluation, right, over the past couple of years, years like we've never seen before with the pandemic and whatnot. Another thing he talked about last night was the play-in tournament, something they started in the bubble last year to get some more teams involved, something they carried over to this season. And again, that's when he talked about controversy, making tough decisions. Some people like to play in tournament. Some people didn't. Some people complained. Some players complained. But really, the play-in tournament, it drew some pretty big ratings. It made the end of the regular season a little more uh, interesting. And the commissioner says, you know what? It's probably going to stick around. It's my expectation that we'll continue it for next season. Um, we both, course, of course, need agreement from our teams and the Players Association. And I know, you know, Michelle Roberts doesn't have an easy job. She has 450 players. Some maybe have louder voices than others at the table. But again, I think ultimately, although there were critics, not just LeBron, but, you know, others who weren't in favor of it and maybe some teams who weren't thrilled with it, I think overall it was very positive for the league and the players. I mean, certainly there have been some suggestions about some tweaks we should consider. But again, it, I think once we bring it back to our owners um, for a vote and the Players Association meets and has an opportunity to consider it, it's, it's my expectation that it will continue for next season. And here's the one tweak I would consider. And they actually did this in the bubble. I, I don't have a major problem with the play-in tournament. It's, it, it, you know, if you want to get more teams involved, it's all about money anyway. More teams involved, the more teams play, the more money you can generate. Especially with fans getting back into the arenas and buying tickets and whatnot. Is when they were in the bubble... And you had teams nine and ten, you know, trying to get in, you know, the, the playing tournament. You had to be within a certain number of games to qualify. And I don't they didn't do that this year. Which I got a problem with that. I in order to have to have teams qualify for those nine and ten spots, I think you need to be within a certain number of games of the eighth, the seven and eight teams. Because I don't think it's right. To have a team that's 10 games behind a number eight team, but still have a chance to get in the playoffs. I think if they're going to tweak it, which I know it leaves it open to not having a 9 and 10 team, but that's, that's okay. If they're going to tweak it, that's how they have to tweak it. And say, look, if you want to get into this play-in tournament, if you want to lock down a 9 or a 10 spot, you have to be within X number of games of the seven and eight teams in order to qualify. If not, if you're 10, 11 games back, you don't deserve to be in a playing tournament. You don't deserve at a shot at the seven and eight seeds. That's the big issue I have with it. Keep it at four games or five games. If you're within, you know, four or five games, then okay. Then you can, you know, you, I guess, earn the right to be in that playing tournament. But if you're more than six, seven, eight games, then you're done. You're not. You're clearly not good enough. So again, he says it's here to stay. I got no issue with it. Again, it was it was relatively popular. I know LeBron complained about it, but then again, what doesn't he complain about? 
Uh, Luca complained about it as well. But he says it's going to stay. Another thing that some players bristled at, complained about, was the quick turnaround from last year's bubble to the start of this season. Now, players didn't get the usual time off. They, you know, jumped right from the end of the one season right into the next one. And uh, we've seen a lot of injuries in the playoffs, a lot of big names going down, and a lot of guys like LeBron just talking about, hey, it's because of the quick turnaround. We didn't have enough time to recover. We didn't have enough time to take a break. And since we jumped back into it, that's why everybody was getting hurt. And Commissioner Silver, uh, Silver, he addressed that as well. Been a lot of discussion around the injuries. You know, putting aside the specific data for a second, I, I have no doubt that the additional stress, again, physical and emotional on them, contributes to injuries. You know, none of it is an exact science. You know, it's, it's something that even pre-COVID, as you all know, we were very focused on at the league. We put people in place to focus exclusively on injury prevention. Precisely why we have the injuries we do is still unclear to us. It's something that we'll continue to study in the offseason. Um, the, the trend line, unfortunately, has been going up for the last several years, and that's despite um, the tremendous additional resources our teams have put into injury prevention, the brand-new um, practice facilities located throughout the league, the state-of-the-art equipment. Um, it's, it's horrific, and it's something that, um, of course, takes away um, from the competition. So he's saying injuries go up for the past couple of years, not just this year. So injuries have been trending upwards, so you really can't blame the quick turnaround for the injuries since they've been going up year after year after year. And he said, you know, they've been going up despite all these, you know, medical changes. They've also been going up despite the load management. You know, we all love the load management in the NBA. And Kamish said load management is up 100% from last season. And players are still getting hurt. So now they're kind of questioning how much does load management really work? How much is resting a player every third or fourth game really work if all these players are still getting hurt? So just some things they have to address and look at once this season comes to an end and they hopefully get into a normal 82-game regular season, whenever that's going to start, who knows. All right, one more break, and back to wrap things up. Stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, now let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the man of the night last night? For the Phoenix Suns, CP3. Paul, between the circles, will work to his left against Portis. Now behind the back dribbles. Now blows by Portis. Layup good. Chris Paul completely in control. They're just attacking Bobby Portis. He is a liability on the defensive end, and they know it. The call on ESPN Radio, Chris Paul, 16 of his 32 points in the third quarter. Also had nine assists, uh, not in the third quarter for the game. Uh, as the Suns beat the Bucks 118-105 in Game 1 of the Finals in Phoenix, uh, CP3 became just the second player ever to score at least 30 points with at least 9 assists in an NBA Finals debut. The other one was Michael Jordan. 
So Chris Paul, for his efforts last night, the player who delivered brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. All right, tonight is Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final in Tampa Bay. Lightning hosting the Canadiens. Uh, Lightning trying to close it out. They lead the series three games to one. Montreal staying alive with the overtime victory uh, in Game 4 in Montreal. Trying to stay alive again. Trying to uh, force a Game 6 back north of the border. With a look at tonight's game, the guys at PTI, uh, Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. I want to talk about the mayor first. I believe her name is Jane Castor, and I believe at one time she was on the police force in Tampa. I hope this works out for her better than it works out for Bill de Blasio in New York City when he attacked Trey Young, and then Trey Young won that series. Because if the Canadians have one giant comeback left and they somehow win this series, this mayor will be recalled in 24 hours, and she'll be walking a beat in her city. Now, uh, as to whether the Canadians can do it, of course they can do it. Of course they can do it, because they're the Montreal Canadiens. They've got, I want to get the number right, they got more NHL championships than anybody. More Stanley Cups. They got 23. 27? 23. 23. Okay. Tampa Bay's got two, all right? And so if Carey Price gets hot and he gives an indication in game four that he gets hot, you know as well as I do that the most dominant thing goalie. in a hockey playoffs is a hot goalie. goalie. In sports, in hot all goalie. the sports. Team sports, goalie, hot goalie can kill, can take a, a, a bad team and just run for a while. And Carey Price, we know, we think he still has that kind of talent. Can he, is he hit a stride right now? We don't know. But Tony, yes, I was rooting for Montreal anyway. Uh, I mean, just because, I mean, I grew up at a time where Montreal was winning a lot of the Stanley Cups, a lot of those 23 you just mentioned. So they, they've been gone for so long. They're like the Suns. 1993, I think, was was the last time for Montreal, like it was for the Phoenix Suns. I'm rooting for them, especially now that this mayor has gone out and said this absurd thing. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll delay it. Let's stage it. Let's manipulate it. Let's massage it so that we can get the victory we want and the parade we want and the reaction civically we want. Now I'm really rooting for Montreal. Do I think they can do it? No. Tampa has proven, Tony, over these last few years, they, they lost uh, in a Stanley Cup final to the Blackhawks. They are there. They're consistently really good and sometimes great, and they're going to win this series. Yeah. If you're asking me would I bet on Montreal, no, I wouldn't bet on Montreal. Right. I would bet right. on Tampa. Montreal has the fewest amount of points of any team that even qualified for the playoffs. They got no business going this far. But I will say this. If they can win game five, in Tampa, Ooh. if they can Ooh. do that, that mayor is going to sweat it out. Because Montreal's <laughs> not going to lose the cup at home. That's not how no. they roll. They will lose once, the cup once. at home. So we're talking about the mayor of Tampa. She suggested before game four that maybe the Lightning take it easy. And, I don't know, for lack of a better word, tank game four so they could clinch it in game five tonight at home in Tampa to get a proper celebration. Uh, I'm not going to take it that seriously. I'm sure she said it, you know, tongue firmly implanted in cheek. Obviously, the Lightning didn't listen because they almost won the game in overtime. To suggest that any team with a chance to clinch a championship take it easy or would take it easy, you don't want to take that chance. You don't want to give a team any kind of sign of life. You bury them. The Lightning could have won game four. They would have won game four. 
Montreal was a lot better, so they forced a game five. So I'm not going to take what the mayor said, you know, all that seriously. It'd be nice. Look, as a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, they've won five Stanley Cups in my lifetime. They've never clinched one at home. They've clinched all five on the road. I don't know what it's like to see a hometown celebration on the ice in Pittsburgh. So I guess it would be nice to, you know, in front of your home fans to skate around the rink of the cup. But you win it wherever you can get it. So we'll see what happens tonight in Game 5. Can Montreal survive? All right, I'm done. Uh, Man is up next with Tri-State today. Stick around for that. I'll be back tomorrow, 6 a.m. Sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, bye. 